Evil to the right hand, puts Herb down, he's gonna dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 10-1-9-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-
a group of individuals who helped me hand out sandwiches and water to those in need. And that's a position that I've I had been in myself. And so to be able to return there was one thing, but to be able to to return to that area with the strength that I have, I never thought that I would be able to put myself in that position and not be tempted or urged to go back down that path. I kind of knew all along that I wasn't, but it's one thing to think about it. It's another to actually be thrust into that position. And man, did it feel amazing. It didn't feel amazing to see how much suffering is going on down there. Uh, You know, people are saying it's worse than ever. Uh, it, it's sadly, it's been like that since I've been a kid. And, you know, my heart has really um, been with all of those people who are struggling down there. And I'll share a quick story uh, before we get into the episode. <sighs> Man, it was really difficult because uh, on the day we were handing out sandwiches, I just had this this feeling that I had to go down the street, turn and come back up the street. It was just the other side of the street. And it was, we were going to go, uh, the group that we we're with, uh, somebody had to go and she's like, I got to go. And I was like, ah, just stay five more minutes, let's walk up this street. And when I walked up this street, all of a sudden I hear my name and I looked up and I honestly, I didn't recognize this person at all. It took me a good 10 seconds and then it hit me who it was. I'm not going to share his name, but he's a former Western Hockey League player, a very, very high draft pick in the WHL the same year that I would have been drafted. And a guy that I played with and against for many, many years who was struggling with drug addiction and homelessness on the downtown East side. Um, after I saw him, I wasn't able to find him again. He didn't have a phone, uh, but I've been losing sleep over it. There's a lot of individuals down there, but that one really stung for me. Uh, and I'm just thinking about him. There's a, there's some of us that have come together and have been talking. We're going to do our best to try to, to try to give him an outlet, but it's so difficult um, it was uh, it was a very difficult experience for me to go through, but one that uh, for me personally uh, just helped me understand where I'm at and how lucky I am. And I'm feeling even more grateful that I'm in a position to be part of the solution. But it's going to take an army to tackle mental illness and addiction in this country and across the world. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over quickly to my favorite, Regan Bartel. We'll hear a quick message from Team Issue and we'll be back with Ryan Strazanitsky in a moment. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. All right, guys, let's get into it. I'm, I've been very emotional the last couple of days, especially today, watching uh, some video, doing a little bit more research on my guest, Ryan Strezanitsky. And just from someone who's gone through so much in my life, a lot of it, some of it from childhood, I, I didn't choose to go through it. Uh, but a lot of the choices that I made moving forward, I had power and control over, right? Sometimes it didn't feel that way, but when it comes down to it, a lot of the choices I made were based on my own self-will, my own pain. And uh, watching Ryan today uh, through his rehab and his videos, and I've been following him for the last two years, three years longer, um, he's one inspiring human, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, he's one of the most inspiring Canadians, certainly of my generation, um, and I'm just so honored to have him come on the show. So without further ado, let's get him in here. The man, Ryan Strazanitsky. Thanks for having Hi. me. What's going on, buddy? Th- welcome Hi. to the show. Welcome yeah, to the thanks. show. Thank you. 
How you doing today, man? How's things? How's life? Good. I just got back from camp up in Edmonton for uh, Team Alberta Sled Hockey and uh, just kind of hanging out today and let my body recover. <laughs> That's awesome. I, lo- I love that. Yeah, we can get right into that, into the the para hockey, sled hockey. Uh, we've had I've had Tyler McGregor on the show, Paul Rosen, uh, Claire Buchanan from the women's side, and uh, I'm a huge advocate for para hockey. It's such an incredible game, actually. I didn't realize just how intense and how physical and how rough it really was until I saw Sledhead. Paul Rosen brought it up, and we watched it. So it's an amazing sport, and it must be such a great outlet for you, having not being able to play able-bodied hockey anymore. Is this really giving you that new lease on life, Ryan? Absolutely. I think anyone who plays hockey just knows that it's a safe haven. It's like nothing else exists. And uh, you're out there with your teammates, you're out there having fun, you're out there competing and, and getting better, Not like as an individual and a hockey player. So now that I've known that I can't play stand up anymore, possibly in the future, I'm like, okay, what's the next best thing? Well, it's sled hockey. So I'm like, all right, how do I get into it? And four months after the accident, I was lucky enough to get back in a sled for the first time. And again, fell right in love with the game. And was like, all right, how can I do this like forever? <laughs> that's inc- that's amazing, man. And I kind of want to circle back. Um, many people know watching. I'm sure everybody knows uh, watching. Um, just to uh, just to touch on it quickly, on April 6, 2018, uh, Ryan was uh, part of the most horrific accident in Canadian history. He was part of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash and uh, was one of uh, very few who made it out alive. And we talked briefly before the show, we're not gonna get too into that, um, but that must have that must have been a, a big uphill climb for you. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your initial feeling, uh, maybe once you're in the hospital and it, it all starts to set in and, and, and where was your mindset? Because I look at you now and I've, I've seen what you've accomplished in the last couple of years. And there's no doubt that it's been a challenge, but everything I see you're doing, you have this big smile on your face. So maybe, maybe walk us through the initial kind of reaction. Was there a period of time that where you were really down, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, uh, I would say a couple of days after the accident, I'm in this hospital bed, had just gone through spinal cord surgery and, and I'm only 18 at the time. I still don't know what that means. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well maybe this is just like a couple of years of recovery. Maybe it'll come back. And, it's so different in the spinal cord injury world because you know your time your body takes time to heal and now i'm in this situation where i'm like i don't know if i'm going to heal from this i don't know how long it's going to take but i'm going to try every day to get better as an athlete right that's something you push for every day right like okay what can i do today all right that was great we accomplished something what can i do to move forward and initially it was it was tough i mean i was a little scared because being told you're never going to walk again is scary being having everything sort of ripped from you uh, something completely out of out of your control is is one of those things where you kind of have to, you know, embrace those emotions, learn to handle it in the in the moment, and move forward because there's nothing you can do to change it. So it took a little time, uh, but you know, later on, I I decided, okay, you know, I, I might not be able to walk, but let's get through physio, let's get through one round, let's go through the next and get better and better at it. Man, uh, you know, that when I was watching, I watched quite a bit today uh, about watching you in physio and, and laying there in the hospital bed and listening to your parents speak. And, um, you know, I I had tears um, initially uh, of sadness um, just having to watch you go through it. But as it, as it played on, I started to cry even harder with tears of joy of just this inspiring individual that I, I'm watching. And I'm just like, like, wow. Uh, and I kind of mentioned it to you before the show, but we only get to see a small glimpse into the life of Ryan Strezinitsky and, and what Ryan went through 
um, the hours and hours laid up in the hospital bed and, and how difficult that must have been to, to do the physio. Um, when, I, when I say who comes to mind initially in those early days, Ryan, when, when things were really tough, was there somebody or a group of people that really was able to help lift you up and get through those initial times? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously my friends and family were there to support me, but what really motivated me was the people that passed away. Um, you know, every time I remember in physio, my left collarbone was, was hurting and I was learning to, you know, roll over for the first time because I have no core muscles. It's hard for me to do that. So rolling over, learning to sit up, trying to balance myself, right? Every time it hurt, I was like, I was just thinking of them, right? I'm like, okay, push through it, right? Like, it's going to suck, but you know what I mean? Like, you're able to embrace this stuff. They're they're not here anymore, right? They would want to see you do good. And, um, you know, I try to use that as much as I can in everything I do. So uh, definitely them, they, they motivated me to uh, keep pushing forward because, you know, if they were here and I were and I wasn't, right, they would want the exact same thing. They would want to push themselves. They would want to make, you know, their brothers happy, essentially. So um, there's a huge motivating factor that way. I just the word inspiring and incredible and, and every other word that is the oh I, I honestly Ryan when I, I think of you man um I'm just honored to be sitting here talking to you, speaking with you, and, and you inspire me so much. Um it, who was the uh individual? I know the answer, but tell us a little bit about how you got into para hockey. Um and that first time getting on the sled and and maybe how soon after the accident. Um, were you thinking or did, did the idea come to you that, hey, maybe I can get in a sled and maybe I can play hockey? So when I found out that sled hockey would be an option for me to play and, and still be a part of hockey in some capacity, I was like, all right, this is maybe two weeks after. I'm like, all right, I'm going to play sled hockey, right? I kind of, um, something, something switched, like a, almost like a flip, or a flip of the switch. It's like, all right, uh, next thing is sled hockey. How do I get into it? So it kind of got broadcasted on social media that I wanted to play sled hockey. And uh, as soon as I got to Calgary in the hospital there at the foothills, uh, my coach and mentor, Chris Cedarstrand, who's a former uh, Paralympian or, yeah, I guess Paralympian and, and Team Canada player, came in and this big six foot two guy missing a leg. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of sketchy, but like, uh, let's, you know, let's meet him. And he's like, all right, you want to get into sled hockey? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, when you're ready, we'll have a sled set up. We'll have an ice time booked for you and we'll, we'll get going. So, you know, the entire time I'm in the hospital, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, right. I I'm, can't, can't wait to get on the ice. I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder if I can actually make Team Canada. I wonder if I can compete and try and win a gold medal for the first time. An opportunity that I wouldn't have had before if I played, continued to play stand up. So, uh, four months after the accident, I said, all right, I'm ready to get back on the ice. And he took me out to Okotoks, Alberta, and, um, you know, got me in a sled. There's, there's a video on my social media of me in the sled for the first time. And, I'm in a crazy high back. I don't have any support and I'm kind of slowly wheeling around. Not much is going on, but, um, you know, again, just fell in love with the game instantly. How, how difficult was that for you getting on? And I mean, I haven't been able to hop on a sled, Tyler and Rosie and Claire They're They're, we're going to, we're going to make it happen soon enough. Uh, but I've, I've heard just how challenging it, it, it really is. Um, what was that initial reaction when you hit the ice? Obviously it was difficult, but, was there a period of time where you're like, oh, this is really difficult, I don't know, or were you just so happy to be on the ice learning this this new, essentially new sport? I mean, definitely. I think when you're 
come from a high athletic background, you're like expecting things to come quicker and quicker. But sled hockey is, is such a different sport in itself because everyone has a different disability, right? So, uh, for example, amputees who have pretty much full body can, uh, function, right, can probably adapt to the sport a lot faster than uh, paraplegic with no core muscles, right? Because core is huge. And so as I'm learning to skate, and skating is still one of the things I'm working on. So as I'm learning to skate, I'm frustrated. I'm, you know, getting angry with myself. And uh, it was I went through this period where I was like um, very down on myself. I'm thinking you're never going to do this type of thing. And it's that little voice inside your head that kind of never goes away. But you keep going anyways because you want to prove yourself wrong. And, you know, that little voice slowly started to go away and I started to accept it. Regardless of what happens, I'm out here, I'm having fun and I'm working hard. So it's going to benefit me in some way later on in life. But it's important, you know, to give yourself a break sometimes. And that's what I had to learn early on in the game. I love it. I love to hear that. And um, I love that. I love that you just took the initiative to get right out there. Um, how much? So when you started, maybe walk us through the how many surgeries have you had, Ryan? Um, share with uh i had well the main one was the spinal cord surgery and then i i had one in thailand uh the epidural stimulation device which allows me to move muscles below my injury and how this uh surgery works is you have a or uh, an electrode with 16 tiny electrodes on it placed on your t10 vertebrae which is uh your lower back and then that's attached to a battery pack either on your left or right side and how it works is the, these electrodes, there's 32 million different combinations to use, you know, positive, negative, neutral, and you have to find the right combination to move certain movements. So, for example, my leg kicking video, right, that combination took, you know, hours and hours and hours of mapping. I'm trying to find that one just to get that movement going. So the process is super long and it's not a cure, but it's better than it was. Without it, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to do the stuff I'm doing. So when... Coming out of that, say that that surgery, obviously that the mapping takes a long time. That's something that obviously you have to be a part of. A, you're part of the process, right? This is a it's a waiting game and, and tons of patience on your part. Um, what does the recovery look like from these surgeries in in terms of uh, your rehab? Uh, because I've noticed over over the years, like you've made significant improvements, man. Like it's if you go back and watch that first couple of days of you sitting in in the hospital bed to where you're at now. I uh, can't even imagine the hours and the determination, the strength that it's taken. So what is, what does the rehabilitation look like from a surgery like that? So, um, yeah, it's tough. Cause it, like right after an accident depends on the injury, of course. And for me, right. Just with the injuries I sustained, it took a while for me to get my body healthy enough to start moving. Like I mentioned right after the accident, I had to learn to roll over, sit up, learn to balance, learn to like lift myself up and, and use my arms essentially as my legs. And that took a long time. I just had to let my body heal. But now that I'm healthier and now that I'm stronger, you know, physio is about three times a week, hour and a half of doing core movements, strengthening the shoulders, keeping them healthy. So because I have to use them for the rest of my life, right? So uh, it's an, it's important to keep them healthy because an injury can pretty much hoop you and keep you bedridden. And I do that about you know three times a week. Physio, I'm on the ice. Uh, about twice or three times a week as well and then in the gym training for hockey probably just as much so pretty pretty busy schedule yeah on top of all the other incredible things you have going on i know that you do some guest speaking and guest appearances of course um you're also the founder of the Strad strong foundation tell us a little bit about that yes when i was in the hospital my my former uh boxing trainer or summer off-season trainer 
uh, started this foundation and started selling hats to, to raise funds for rehabilitation needs. And over the pandemic, it kind of went downhill and nothing, it was stagnant. It was just sitting there, um, you know, nothing was really going on. And uh, over the past about six or seven months, I just thought about bringing this back up and giving other people the same opportunities that I've had. So the foundation was meant to support um, at the start, just spinal cord injury patients and athletes. But now I've expanded that to people with both mental and physical disabilities, uh, you know, be better quality of life through adaptive sport programs, through social awareness, uh, through events, and, you know, uh, rehabilitation uh, facilitation needs, for example, because living life with a disability is super expensive and a lot of people don't have funds. So it's important to give back because at the end of the day, um, you know, I've, I've had to experience things, you know, probably easier than most. I've had a lot of opportunity, a lot of social media I had the opportunity to build my platform that others might not have had. So it's important to give back and let others experience what I had. I've, I've had a lot of opportunity and I want to share that with, with other people in my situation as well. That's how I feel about that. I, I absolutely <laughs> love that. Tell me a little bit about when you when you get to meet some of these um, young young boys or girls that have maybe similar injuries, I've seen a lot of pictures with you kind of in the mentor role um, with these kids just looking up at you with their eyes lit up. You give them so much hope. How does that make you feel? And what has that meant to you, Ryan? I mean, it's it's great. That's that's the whole point, right? Is always giving back. Um, at the end of the day, um, you know, I've thought about this. I'm one of those deep thinkers where I'm like, you can make all the money in the world, right? You yeah. can be this highly successful person. But if you're not a good person, if you don't give back, what then what use are you, right? Like, um, so at the end of the day, it's like, it's super important to give back because these some of these kids are going to go through these times, right? And they're not going to know what to do. But if you explain it to them early on and instill the message of, hey, when one door closes, another one opens, right? Then they're like, okay, I can handle this better. You know, it sets them up for success in the future and allows them to do the same thing. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. So uh, actually, just the other day, I had a school talk in Red Deer, uh, Alberta. With Lily Wickenheiser, right? No, no, this was, a, this was a different school talk. But, okay. I um, saw you doing something with her the other day, too. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have had a, a couple events together. But uh, in this elementary school, we're doing questions at the end of my talk. And a little boy stands up and he says, yeah, I just got diagnosed with a brain tumor. Do you have any messages for me and i'm like in my head i'm like instantly just sinks right i'm like holy crap like this kid's in grade five right i've never had to experience anything like this i can't imagine what he's going through so um you know just to be able to give him a give him a hat right and talk to him and just see his face light up right that just motivates me and it probably motivated him to be like stay strong right no matter what happens like um again it's just it's it, it's hard to talk about, right? Cause it just, it kind of hits you, but um, you know, just seeing stuff like that, you're like, I want to help these kids. Right. And I want to give them a little bit of light. I can't like you must've made that kid's day. And you know, I often um, sometimes I, I'm put in that situation, maybe not with the brain tumor, but uh, people sharing some stuff, mental health or addiction challenges. Sometimes it's their parents who are going through it and kids are reaching out. Um, and we can't necessarily go in and fix everything, uh, but it's, it's it's things like this, little gestures um, that maybe seem little, sorry, that are actually a lot more grand than what you realize. Um, that kid will never forget that for the rest of his life. There's no doubt. So um, tell me, tell me a little bit more about um, the, your mental health state um, through all of this from 
from early on, uh, maybe a couple years ago until you're, where you're at today. Um, what does that look like for Ryan Strasnitsky? Uh, has it been pretty balanced and, and, you know, staying in this plateau or there've been peaks and valleys and how do you manage, um, from a day-to-day basis? I mean, it, it's fluctuated ever since the day of the accident. Um, you know, you have your good days and your bad days, but, um, I essentially at the start, I was so busy with everything every day that I didn't really have to think about it. Right. I'm like, Oh, I'm doing better than I would have expected. And as soon as the pandemic hit, that's when it hit me, right? There was almost no social media and almost nothing going on. I'm like stuck at home and now I'm like doing nothing, right? So um, that kind of weighed on me. Then I had more time to think. I had more time to get inside my head and it just wasn't healthy. I was in a bad spot. I you know, didn't feel like I was worth anything. I, I felt like, you know, what am I going to do with my life, right? I'm just a kid in a chair. I'm just the kid. like this little voice inside my head was just creeping in the back, right? And uh, essentially there was a point throughout the pandemic where I'm like, you know, F this, right? Like I have to change, right? No one else is going to do it for me. I have to take the initiative once again and uh, do things for the better. And that's when I started doing things for myself, like um, mental health, coping hab- habits, like working out more, uh, reading books, playing guitar, trying uh, new tricks, like kind of expanding my knowledge to the best of my ability to, uh, again, see what potential I have, right? I was busy watching so much Netflix and playing video games that it wasn't doing anything for me. So uh, essentially I had to take the initiative of, okay, what's my potential in life? How smart can I get? How talented can I get in this field, right? It's important to uh, know as much as you can and uh, push yourself every day. And that's what athletes do. And that was basically where I, I changed and started working on my mental health more and realized you know, the effects of uh, not taking care of it. And and you notice uh, a, a, a way bigger difference now that you're a little bit more intentful with your actions. Exactly. Yeah. Like I've, I've definitely a different person. You ask any of my friends or people close to me in the past year, I've, I've definitely changed. And, um, you know, I've learned to, um, I've tried things that I've never would have tried before. And uh, some of those things, for example, might be meditation, right? Uh, like I tried it and I'm like, okay, you know, you kind of let your brain wander right before you would let your thoughts and everything cloud your vision. It would overtake you. It would pretty much dictate everything. Every negative, positive, neutral thought inside your brain was all jumbled there. And that would sometimes confuse me and just like make me not want to do anything. But the more I started writing and reading and, you know, doing these moments of meditation, I just kind of cleared everything and made me approach life in a different way. Do you feel, do you feel that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing in your life is as hard as it's maybe been. And in some days um, maybe you wish things could have been differently. Um, but do you feel that you're exactly where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing? I don't know. It's, it's a tough question. I mean, I'm, I'm still quite young, um, but it feels right what I'm doing and I enjoy doing it. It's like that flow state where you kind of do it and you forget about time and you just do it because it feels natural and, and you feel good about it. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's so many different avenues to explore in life. And, um, you know, I, I don't I don't believe in staying on one path always. Yeah. So I'm, I'm expanding as many as I can. I love to hear that. And I, I love that you you highlighted that. I, I have the same sort of uh, ideal for life, um, never staying on the same path. I just meant more like in this moment, if you look back in, in your whole life to this point where you've got now, uh, you're making such a significant impact in the lives of millions of people, millions of people right across Canada, right across the United States, right across the world. And you have 
you have that in you just it's one thing to have gone through something it's another to come out the other side in the way that you have and so not everyone would do that because we've i've seen stories similar or people who have gone through things and <clears throat> maybe they pull themselves out of it but they do it they do it quietly they do it privately um which is totally fine but you've really opened up your life and i guess in some aspects you didn't really have much of a choice but you always did have a choice it was sort of just thrust upon you but you could have shut down and you could have been very private but you've allowed people to come into your space and into your life and by doing so you've honestly you've changed the world you've changed the lives of so many people um what's your what are your goals here for for para hockey you currently play for team alberta where where are we at for the team canada because if i know anything about para hockey it's that you can play for quite a long time and play competitive competitively for quite a long time uh there's a few guys still on the national team that it's i think they've been there for like 20 25 years it seems so yeah. tell us a little bit about your plan and your goals moving forward in in para hockey so my plan was to compete for 2026 uh golden italy for the team canada obviously men's men's para team but uh as of right now i just got back from montreal a couple of weeks ago from their uh development camp and um being only about two years into playing sledge competitively, it was a huge eye opener, right? It's like going to your first junior camp, you're like, holy crap, where am I? Right. And it's, it's like, now I know what I need to work on. So, um, 2026 is, is a tight goal, but I think if I continue to put in the work and, you know, adjust the slide at each and every day, it's, um, you know, hopefully it can come sooner than later, but, uh, 2026 is the goal. And, uh, if not, then 2030. 20 2026. I like 2026 Ryan a lot. Um, I, I feel with, with your drive and determination, it's something that you can accomplish, no doubt. Um, what's the biggest challenge maybe moving forward for you in, in Parag? I know you talked about your core strength and, and skating, um, but what do you see as maybe the biggest challenge you have moving forward on the ice and off the ice? Um, I think on the ice, obviously, the, the skating and uh, learning to play the game differently. Uh, it's not a very linear game like stand-up hockey. It's more east-west is what I'm starting to learn. And so as a defenseman, normally, right, you're on the blue line and you can quickly stop, start and travel all different directions in the you know snap of the fingers. But in sledge, you got to maintain momentum and do these like smaller, bigger circles and kind of look behind you for plays and dictate where you go uh, based off the off the play. So it's completely different. It's those little meticulous things that you have to learn in sledge. But, um, you know, and then I guess off the ice would be. Uh, different training right I'm I'm so used to training um, you know like hard all the time but sometimes it's like recovery is huge for people in chairs uh, because we're using our upper body all the time we don't need to work out as much um, it's important to do exercise every day but going hard in the gym is just going to be more detrimental to my shoulders than anything so uh, it's it's almost like taking a break but also working on the things that I can without hurting myself uh, I love the uh, I saw an interview with your parents and your dad mentioned um, just a smile on your face uh, when he saw you back on the ice. Um, their support must have been huge. And, and what's your relationship with your family like now? You're, where are you currently living? How far are you from them? And uh, how has this maybe impacted your relationship with your parents and your siblings? Yeah, I mean, they, they've always been there since the start and um, they've been very supportive throughout the accident. Um, the reason um, my dad says that is because, you know, I've always skated with the family on the pond out back of my house. And, uh, you know, that's just where some of the best memories were made, skating outside the pond in minus 30 with your friends and family, you know, freezing your toes and hands off, right? 
Um, so yeah, they've been there since the start. My dad got me into hockey and uh, my brothers as well. They play and uh, sister tried it for a year and hated it. So she turned into a soccer player. Um, so, but yeah, no, I live at home right now. I'm going to kind of have my own basement suite uh, after the house was renovated. So I kind of have it to myself, which is nice. Uh, my brother, my middle brother is currently an electrician. My sister just finished her second year of neuroscience at L, and wow. my little brother is leaning more towards soccer than hockey right now. So we gotta we gotta try and fix that. <laughs> hey, I don't know that the state of Canadian soccer right now is pretty good, is it not? I mean, I've never it seen is. it like this my whole my whole thirty five years. Um, I want to get to a couple comments before we I won't keep you too long tonight, Ryan. I know you're probably exhausted from from visits, no um, school visits, and that. Um, we just get to a couple. Ashley says, y'all both are great people doing amazing things with your lives. Thank you, Ashley, down there in Kentucky. Um, Michelle Alt, not Polino. You need to change your name, Michelle. It's Michelle Alt now. It says, truly inspirational. Uh, Steve Curtis says, great interview and happy you enjoyed your trip to BC, Brady. Ryan, you are very ins inspiring and doing awesome things, man. So happy for you. We got uh, Luke watching uh, up near Kingston says you both could have easily given up and kept spiraling down downward but instead you both chose to take control to live your best lives and to tell your stories bravo you're both inspirational uh dean smeal out there in saint paul alberta says absolutely ryan you have inspired so many people not only hockey players proud of you um see if i can't seem to scroll down any further here hold on there is one more um Stuart Smith says great show guys great conversation shout out to Stuart Smith he's the one who made my trip home uh to BC happen we'll get to a few more uh at the end of the show guys so we're not going to get to all of them right now um I want to just get back to the mental health thing so I don't want to get too too deep into how you deal with it but it is what we talk a lot about on this show um you mentioned uh you know meditation and working out is was there been a time when when you've reached out and, and maybe had support for for your mental health over the past four years? And you can answer that. You could say you don't want to answer. You could say yes. You could say no. <laughs> however, however deep you want to go, Stras. Yeah, and um, you, you know, obviously, I'm very close with my family, but um, not very comfortable opening up about that stuff with them. Um, so essentially, I called old hockey buddies, right? My the guys who I played with at a young age, right? They were all supportive and. Um, they were all there to help when we just had conversations and just talked whatever was on my mind, right? It was a way, it was therapeutic, right? Uh, as I'm sure you know, there's very many things to get stuff off your off your brain. And one of them was talking to teammates, one of them was reaching out. And um, I think that that helped immensely, right? A aside from the physical stuff you could do, just clearing your mind in any, in any way, getting off your phone, for example, like yeah. social media, massive, massive, uh, detriment to mental health, I think, in, in these days. And pretty much have to cut ties with that for a little bit, talk to friends and just do what I needed to do to improve and, and kind of reset. Wow. I So important. You know, I, I had an opportunity, as I said earlier, going home for the last couple of weeks, and it gave me a real a real prolonged period, a couple of weeks to just kind of get off my phone because I had so much other stuff going on and I didn't, I wanted to be present. Uh, mental health and cell phones wow i can't even believe uh how much of a toll it's taken on my life so i'm so glad that you brought that up do you find though when you put your phone down um does sometimes it call you even though when you don't want it to do is that something that you go through too 
Oh yeah. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to put it away for an hour. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, turn on, do not disturb, do something else. And then I'm like, oh, I wonder if I'm getting a text from someone that's important, right? Not important, something that could be answered hours from now. But regardless, you know, it's like temptation, those cravings of like, let me just check, let me just look. And then you get stuck and looped in and you see, maybe you see something you don't like, or you see something you're like, oh, um, okay, that was, you know, maybe I should do something about it, right? But again, it's it's one of those things like you just mentioned, it calls to you. And it's like those temptations that you got to kind of fight and break free from. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's so not easy at all. And something that I highly encourage anybody watching or listening to just try to test yourself a little bit and see if you can go an hour without even touching your phone. Do you have your all your notifications turned off? Because that's what I did a while ago. And it seems to make a big difference. But I still have to put my phone face down. Because if it lights up at all, it just triggers me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try and put it face down and on do not disturb. But the problem is, it's like, oh, crap, maybe I'm missing something right now. Um, it's yeah, it's <laughs> I need to work on it. <laughs> hey, we all hey, we all have things we need to work on. I, I mean, there's also a there's also such a bright side to social media too, and and having that access to it. There's the problem with it. There's so many pros, but also so many cons to it. And it's finding that balance, just like anything in life, right? Tell us uh, about plans for the future. Um, what does what does Ryan's future look like? I know we talked about the para hockey. Um, do you have any plans of, you, you mentioned writing, are you writing a book? Tell us a little bit about your future. Um, so yeah, not I'm pretty much the same thing. I want to get working again. I want to start speaking at, at more events and, and more schools and just essentially sharing my story and uh, spreading messages of, of, you know, positivity and, and hope, right? A lot of people sometimes, even, even kids nowadays, right? Like sometimes, you know, it's, it's sad to see, but sometimes they get sucked into real world problems that maybe I haven't experienced and they need these messages to get through some of some of the hard times. And that's what I want to do is just start working more and start training, you know, for the off season coming up and uh, experience what life has to offer. I mean, my entire 18 years of playing standup was so revolved around hockey and school that I didn't really get to experience much else to life. And now that I'm in situation I, i've gone to thailand something i never would have done i've traveled i've done events that i never would have done and, and had the opportunities that i would have never experienced so i want to keep um you know chasing that and experience what life has to offer because it's um you know le learning firsthand it's um you know life's so temporary and it can all switch just like that so it's in, it's important to experience and enjoy you know the ups and the downs and it just experience life as it is yeah, uh, there's a lot there that's going making my mind just crank here. Um, when I know I said I wouldn't bring up uh, the accident too much, Ryan, but how much of a different perspective do you have on life and, and maybe the gratitude you have just on every day you open your eyes and you're here um, and maybe realize just what a gift having life is with all the endless opportunities and, and the beautiful people and connections and, and even the hard times, finding, finding ways to enjoy those hard times and just to keep fighting through. Is your perspective on life quite a bit different uh, since the accident? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's one of those things, it's kind of weird to think about, but the, the thought of death doesn't scare me as much as it is missing out on things. And I kind of took it as that perspective of, um, you know, I am here, I, you know, all the, all the pain, everything that I went through, right. You know, at the end of the day, when I'm on my deathbed at, at whatever age, right, I'm going to be, you know, look back on that and think, oh, that did suck. But it's, you know, I can smile about it because you had to experience it in life, right. It made me the individual I am today. Um, 
you know, every, every up, every down, all the good and bad memories, I think shape who you are. And it's important to, to experience that, right? Obviously not having my teammates here that motivated me and that's what I'm striving towards to win a gold medal for them. Right. And, and as tragic as it is, I'm trying to turn everything I can into a positive because, you know, at the end of the day, like I just mentioned, life is temporary. Um, so it's important to, you know, take what you have and use it to the best of your ability. Wow. Is there something that you do or a thought that comes through your mind every morning to maybe ground yourself? What's the thought? Is it when you wake up in the morning, is there something that you do um, that gets you fired up for the day? What's your, what's, you don't have to let us too much into your personal life here, Straz, but um, right. when you wake up every morning, is it, is it that thought of being like, yeah, I'm here, like, let's go. So I mentioned earlier, I had to go through this whole switch, right. Of, of finding some inner motivation. Um, and in that switch, I, I listened to a lot of uh, podcasts and, and former Navy SEALs. And the way he explained it, the one that got me fired up every day was like, the reason I get up early and I start getting after it is because there's someone, whether it's real or not, that's working harder than you right now, that woke up earlier, that's putting in the work. And are you going to sit there and let them beat you every day? Or are you going to get up, get after it and show him who's boss? And that just fires me up every day because I, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this person's waiting, right? Like this final boss type of thing, right? I'm a video game guy. So this final boss is waiting. He's prepared. Right? Are you prepared? Are you going to get up early? Are you going to make excuses? Are you going to push through it and just get after it? So it just uh, it fires me up and it gets me going every day. Wow, that's uh, that's very powerful. Thank, <laughs> you for, thank you for sharing sharing that with us. You can expect that to be clipped on social media like tomorrow morning. That's uh, <laughs> I, I love that, man. I love that so much. And tell us a little bit about your video games. I want to know what games you playing, Ryan. Let us into we're, we're talking all this serious stuff. Let's go a little bit lighter side. What are you playing right now? And how much video games are you actually playing? Is it something that you're um, cautious about? Okay, well, let me get like an hour a day or do you get lost in it sometimes still? I, I've tried the Call of Duty and, and shooter games. I'm just so bad at it that I, I stick with the the other stuff, like the the longer story mode type of games. But I don't play too often. But with my little brother, he's he just turned ten, so uh, you know sometimes we can play together on co op games. Like right now, we're trying to get through that Lego Star Wars game. That's like. 48 hours of gameplay it's crazy so does he, does he come downstairs or does he play from upstairs he comes downstairs and he kind of sh tells me things and he's like no go over here go build this and i'm like oh yeah i mean he's better at it than i am but it's kind of a nice bonding moment at least absolutely that's uh i love that that's so cool to have the little brother i never had i never had any brothers especially no little brothers but that's got to be pretty special to share those moments and he must just love you so much and look up to you is is such a huge inspiration how lucky he is to have you in his life and and anyone ryan that has the opportunity to, to either be your friend or your family members it's you're truly a gift to them with your this aura this energy that you have and and i saw that right from the early stages of your rehab long before you and i had ever talked um when when all that happened i was going through some stuff of my own um you know i was struggling but it's certainly a story that i followed like right from day one of course and uh 
just watching you and your your strength man gave me strength even though it was different situations it puts your story really put things into perspective for me as i talked about a little bit earlier on the show and just kind of understanding that you know everyone has a story everyone has a journey but not everybody is going to pick themselves up and, and and deal with it the way that you have and for that you should be so proud man so many of us i know you get it all the time there's so many people i know watching listening um other people who aren't right across the world um that can that will echo what i'm saying like we're all just so proud of you um and you give us so much hope and there's you're what you've accomplished in this life is is minuscule in comparison to what the future holds for you and the doors that you're going to open for yourself but more importantly for other people and and that is who i see ryan strasnitsky is it's not about me it's about what can i do to make this world a better place than when i left it and that's why you're such an inspiration um i want to say thank you for your time i don't know if how much time you have i could talk to you all night but i know i know you just probably got did you just get back from red deer like how long ago yeah i got back at around 2 p.m and had a few things to set up for this week but it's good i had a i had a small buffer to, to relax and have a quick power nap <laughs> we got we got one comment i just show this when my buddy josh says ryan we can team up and i'll teach you call of duty <laughs> perfect <laughs> josh, josh is a good gamer too i'm I'm not the call of duty guy i'm i'm getting sniped before i even get the uh the scope <laughs> on somebody i'm trying to scope somebody and the next thing you know i'm dead i'm, I'm, not, I'm not much of a gamer uh Aline stirk watching uh, that's her junior sea hockey volunteer. She says, I love it, Ryan. She does a lot of work uh, in the mental health space for junior hockey out here in Ontario. She also says, Ryan, I'm in awe of you and your strength. You had to drop to achieve what you did and you were doing. I love that you chose to reach out to your friends. And that's something uh, that actually I meant to talk about a little earlier because I had Tyler Smith on the show Um teammate of yours uh, i had him probably about a year ago now tyler and i've connected we've remained uh friends since then but when i asked him that question he said the same thing was um when he who he relied on was uh teammates from past or childhood friends that he played hockey with and i think it's really important for people to understand that it doesn't always have to be a counselor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist and sometimes that may be helpful and may be great but at the end of the day for me and as it is for you and i can say tyler because he shared on the show it's that real human connection of friends and being able to share openly and honestly and for for me that changed my life so I, I love that um, you shared that with us. Thanks so much. Uh, Brody, my friend Brody's watching. He says, keep up the grind, Ryan. 2026 is definitely reachable. Thank you for being you and continue to inspire. Um, Brody down there and Barry, hello to Brody and Tara and their little guy, Leo, probably all watching right now down there. Um, if you have one message um, for anyone out there who may be uh, fighting for their life um, in any capacity out there right now, uh, what would you tell them? That's tough. There's so many messages, but <laughs> like I have so many different thoughts on this. Cause the one I talk about in my talks is when one door closes, another one opens and that could be in any, any sort of situation. I mean, getting cut from hockey teams, I had to learn that, right. Um, the accident, the spinal cord injury, I had to find that, right. This is in the past. I got to focus on what I can do now to better myself for the future. And again, I'm going to take another example from that podcast is this guy says, if you have the ability to say good in any situation, it means you're still breathing. It means you're still alive. You still have a chance to get after it. So if something goes wrong, good. Now I have the chance to do this. 
right? Oh, this thing didn't go my way. Good. I can go do this, right? I didn't get what I wanted. Good. Now I'm going to get after it. You're, you're a Jocko Wilnick fan, are you? Big time, big time. So I, I, you know, I'm stealing a lot of his stuff, but it, it's helped me so much and um, it just fires me up. You know, that, that um, quote from him, there's, there's quite a few videos, but that people have remade on that um, little dialogue that he, um, that he shares there talking about that, the good that was sent to me actually very early on when I first started this podcast uh, from somebody. And it was a mantra that, you know, I haven't listened to it probably in like seven or eight months, but for the first year and a bit, that was ingrained into what I was doing as well. And for people who have not heard it, just go search in YouTube good by Jocko Wilnick. It is uh, some of the, he is to me, uh, one of the most motivational people on earth. I mean, Goggins too, but yeah. Jocko, Jocko has just that different way in that voice that just cuts right through oh. you. Doesn't he? fires you up oh my god it like makes you want to run through a wall <laughs> imagine that guy coming in for a pregame speech like, like <laughs> oh, if, if i'm in the nhl or if i'm the coach of say the para team in the olympics i'm hiring jocko wilnick to come in and read the starting lineup and get my guys fired up because oh, there's yeah. no way you're gonna lose a game if jocko does that like, yeah no way. Oh, the best. <laughs> So, so that's your, that's the podcast that you listen to. What else do you listen to is, besides Jocko? Is, is there anything else that's helped you? Maybe that you can um, maybe direct people to uh, for some inspiration. As far as inspiration, um, it, you know, I don't, I, I listen to things like, for example, mind pump where they talk about fitness and things going on in the world and um, different approaches. Like um, there, there's certain podcasts like that, but I'm, I like to keep it loose. Like I, I'm a guy who, you know, likes to keep things light and not, too hard on myself or before a big camp right just get to know everyone just smile make people laugh so i listen to a lot of comedic podcasts um a couple of them are two bears one cave with tom segura and burt kreischer another one is called bad friends with uh andrew santino and bobby lee like just great guys and and i mean it's super hilarious i mean it's probably probably not kid friendly but uh i would definitely recommend if you need to get a laugh I, I, I wrote them down because I'm always looking for a new podcast. I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan, I have to say. I just, he, he gets me every time. with I listened, I listened to his podcast today. I just laid down for a couple hours and listened to his newest one. And, and really, that was the inspiration behind this podcast. I went back and watched his very first podcast. And I don't know if anyone's ever done this. This is totally off topic, but it's good to talk about this other stuff on these shows too. You ever go back and watch like Joe Rogan's first podcast? I think it's still on YouTube. It's literally him and his friend. It might be jamie even like his assistant i'm not sure if it's jamie so don't quote me on that but it's somebody and they're in front of a computer and they're recording they're like is it recording like i don't know if it's on like <laughs> they didn't even know what they were doing right and they started this just talking and from that it transpired into i mean he's changed the world the scope of podcasting and everything and inspired other people and opened so many doors to give people a voice and give them that kind of confidence and of course i knew i was never going to take over Joe Rogan. That was never the goal. But I just thought I, I saw that first podcast. and I was like, look, like, look where this started. They didn't even have a clue what they were doing at all. They just pressed record and they faked it till they made it. And and look where they're at now. And so that was really the the inspiration behind this podcast was was Joe Rogan. Um, so I have to always give him a shout out. Even though he'll, never, he'll never hear this probably. Although I've had a couple, I've had a couple people who've been on his show on my podcast. So maybe, wow. there, maybe there's that link there, but uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that, that with us, man. I, uh, I'll let you go. I know you're a couple hours behind there, but I would love to, uh, 
I'd love to have you back on here again. And um, sorry if I didn't get to your comments after we let Ryan go, I'll, I'll fire through some of them. Uh, be sure to uh, follow Ryan on social media. Um, links going to be, if you're listening, the link will be, it'll be a clickable link to his Instagram. If you're listening in the audio and also to his foundation at the Straz strong at rstraz underscore on instagram i highly suggest if you're not following him already go and follow him that's where i get a lot of my motivation thank you for sharing your journey um with the world ryan and thank you for your strength and your bravery um you continue to inspire and i'm so excited to see how many more doors you're going to kick down for yourself but more importantly for other people man thank you i appreciate it all right, man, we'll chat with you soon. And if you ever have anything going on that I can be of any help, I don't know how much I can help you, um, but I'm all in for anything Ryan Strasnicki is doing. And um, I, I have nothing but love and admiration and respect for you. And uh, you're quite, what, you're 11 or 12 years younger than me, but I look up to you, man. I look up to you. So keep it up. I'm proud of you. And thanks so much for doing this. Awesome. Thanks for having me. See you, Straz. See ya. All right, guys, that's Ryan Strasnitsky former Humboldt Bronco and just an incredible, incredible human being. I have so much going through my mind right now. I'm going to wrap up this show by kind of doing a small brief recap, maybe of my couple weeks in Vancouver. Uh, but what I really want to do is I want to have a special show, possibly episode 100, uh, which will be coming up not next week, but the week after. Um, I haven't asked him yet. But we have a thing here on episode 100s. My dad comes on the show. He's been on the show like three times, uh, but not since we've seen each other again. So I kind of want to bring him on, uh, touch base with him. I may bring on a couple other people uh, who have been just instrumental in my journey to get where I'm at right now. It's been it's been a wild ride, ups and downs, challenges. But man, my life has been a dream for these last two plus years. And I owe so much of it to so many people out there. And if you're watching or listening right now, I owe all of you a huge thank you. A huge thank you. And I don't say that lightly. I love each and every single one of you. You've given me a voice and you've given my life back. Yes, I did some work. But if I wasn't received in the way that I've been received over those last two years, I probably would have gave up. So thank you. Thank you. Quick message from Steve Buckley and our friends over there at Pride Tape, and we'll be right back. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, -E, Aubrey, at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Thank you to our friends over there at PrideTape. I actually got to meet one of the founders of PrideTape while I was home. I got the PrideTape on my knob. 
always showing my support. Hockey is for everyone. Let me put that down real quick without a loud noise. Um, I got to meet Dean Petrick and his son, Andrew, who is just about to start his journey in junior hockey. Here's a couple of pictures. Um, that's Andrew on the left, his dad, Dean, from Pride Tape in the Oilers jersey. Of course, that's me with no teeth in the OHL jersey. I don't know how anyone got me wearing an OHL jersey, but I thought, hey, I live in Ontario. Let's represent the OHL. Thank you to Dean for the jersey. And on the right is Big Stu. That's Stuart Smith, assistant fire chief from Abbotsford, British Columbia. The guy who made this trip happen for me, I'm... Stu's like a big brother to me. He's also the chairman of the board uh, for the Puck Support Charity uh, that we're very close to launching. It's been a long time coming. I guess not that long. A couple years isn't that long, but it certainly feels like a long time. Um, but thank you to Dean. Uh, it was awesome to meet you. I'm going to talk more about that on a show coming up. They have a book coming out uh, in August. He gave me a copy of it. Uh, one of the first and I feel very priv privileged to have already been able to read it. I'm going to share it with all of you guys. Uh, of course, I can't read it because it hasn't come out yet, but I'm going to show, show uh, pictures, lots of my social media. And as things get closer to the day of the book launch, um, I will definitely be talking more and more about it and where you guys can get a copy. Uh, when I first got to BC, uh, I stayed with Stuart and his beautiful wife, Allie. Let me see if I can find the picture so that's Stuart and Allie uh, outside their house they open their doors to me and let me stay there and uh, for that I am so 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 grateful and I'm not sure how much they want me to share about everything but they don't have a choice at this point um, you can get mad at me later Stu if you want uh, but to see two people who have been together for that long, they've been together since Stu was 18 and Allie was 16. If I'm wrong, Stu, throw it up in the comments and let me know. Not to age you, Stu, but you're in your mid-50s. So it's been a minute since you guys have been together. And being able to see the love that you guys have for one another after all these years was inspiring beyond belief, especially for somebody like me, who honestly, my whole life, that's all I've wanted was to, to find somebody that you know, just to be with and know that, you know, through thick and thin, you can get through anything. And I know that life wasn't always easy. That's the case for everyone. There's ups and downs. Uh, but to see two people uh, just stick it out and love each other, uh, what I got to see with my eyes gave me a lot of hope, a lot of hope for the future. So thank you for allowing me into your house. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your lives. And Ali, thank you for letting me borrow Stuart on several, several occasions. He's been a, a huge help uh, to me. Let's see if he's watching here. He's a young buck. That's right. That's right. I'm not going to go into too many details about my trip home, um, but as you heard i got to see my dad there's me and my dad saying goodbye at the airport uh, if you haven't seen the video of our our reconnection after five years it is available on my my instagram uh, i cried i held back the tears but i had tears down my face my dad didn't he was stronger than i was that day but i bet you he cried when he left the airport because it looked like he was going to 
Uh, I also got to see my mom yesterday was Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the great moms out there. Um, this is my mom, Susan, uh, who also I hadn't seen since five years. And the last time she saw me, I overdosed on her lawn. Um, and then I moved to Ontario. So honestly, I didn't think I would ever get to see my family again. And I'm sure that they often thought the same. Uh, my mom was my rock through some of my hardest times. And I owe her a lot. Um, things weren't the greatest uh, through childhood. Um, they weren't that bad either. But, um, you know, left me with some some troubles, no doubt. But being a parent myself and being an adult, I, fu I fully understand uh, the scope of life and how how things happen. Uh, my mom certainly picked up the pieces for me when I was homeless, when I was in jail. Um, she was there for me more than anybody. And mom, I love you so much. Here's a quick picture of some of my family members, my cousins in the front, Spencer and Adam, uh, my aunt Lori on the left, her son, Josh, my cousin, there's me, there's my great auntie Darlene, my uncle or my auntie Lee's husband, who I love dearly. And on the right there is Spencer's best friend, Wyatt, who I've known since he was in preschool. So nice to see everyone. And uh, let me show you guys one more picture. I know if you're listening, you can't see all this. Uh, but this is me and my Auntie Lee and her puck support hat. Here's a lady who, honestly, if you meet her, you can't even believe a person like this exists. You'd think she was fake because she is so kind and so sweet and so loving and never says anything bad about anyone, period, like ever. It doesn't matter what's happening or what the situation is. I could tell her something that is so clear as day about somebody doing something wrong or whatever and she will always come back with oh that person's just going through a lot we have to think about them and 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 never bashing anybody just seeing that oh you know maybe they need help maybe there's something we can do for them and uh i feel very grateful my aunt instilled so many values in me from a kid she is my godmother somebody that i spent a lot of time with as a kid and she went to church several times a week. She goes to church every week, couple times a week. She's very involved with the church. She would go every single week, multiple times a week and light candles. And there is no doubt in my mind that by her doing that helped keep me alive. She put energy out to the universe, uh, to the creator, to God, whatever you want to call it, to give me strength and courage and, and to put people around me and spirits however you want to say it to protect me there was nobody else doing that throughout those times and she would tell me all the time i'm lighting candles for you i'm lighting candles for you i'm praying for you brady i love you and uh you know alongside my mom and my dad my auntie lee was also in the hospital several times with me visiting me in the psych ward she came to see me in jail um she rushed me to the hospital one time when i overdosed put her through hell and back to Auntie Lee. I love you so much. I got to stay at her house for a week. This is her husband or who really, really was like a second dad to me growing up. Who else? I don't want to leave anybody out here because I don't have all the pictures. I got to see my niece, Kaylin, who is all grown up now. I can't even believe it. I'm like, whoa, you got, you got big all of a sudden, Kaylin. I did have a picture here of my neighbors, Bob and Louise. I can't seem to find it, um, but I'm going to show that on the podcast with my dad. My neighbors, Bob and Louise, without them, my dad doesn't survive as a parent. And I don't know what my childhood looks like. They were incredible. And actually, my first stop 
when I got to Port Coquitlam, Bob and Louise, my old neighbors, were my first stop. My dad said, well, where's the first stop? And I said, we're going to see Bob and Louise. Uh, sorry, I don't have a picture up here. I thought it was uploaded, but I guess it's not. While I was downtown, too, I also got to go on a podcast, uh, the Re-Up Recovery Podcast. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Available on all podcast platforms, audio only. Um, but it was incredible conversation right downtown Vancouver in studio. was very uh, cool to connect with, with the guys from Re-Up Recovery. I don't know why some of the pictures didn't load. I wanted to talk a little bit about the healing that I got to experience, uh, but I'm probably going to do a whole episode on that. I was able to uh, heal with some plant medicines, uh, Rape, Sananga, and Cambo. If you've watched this show at all or followed me at all, you know that plant medicines have been a huge piece to the puzzle for me. Uh, moving forward in my recovery, I don't uh, encourage everybody to just drop what they're doing and go try this. Um, for me, I exhausted every resource, every everything that was at my disposal and it, for years and years and years and it just didn't work. And when I was introduced to, to plant meditation and medi meditation, plant medicines, plant meditation, plant medicines, meditation, uh, and other forms of spiritual healing, that's really what helped me get over that, that hump and has allowed me to find peace and success in recovery and some people may judge me for some of the things that I've done in the last two years I had somebody message me the other day because I reposted about concussions and mushrooms and I got a response saying you know if you take mushrooms you're not sober and my response was well I guess if you take antidepressants and clonazepam or Xanax or any form of mood altering substance from the doctor well I guess you're not sober either but instead of looking at it in that capacity, why not say, hey, look where your life is today. If you're managing your life, regardless of what you're, you're using or not using, whether it's medications from the doctor, whether it's plant medicines, whether it's just meditation, why, are, why are, is anybody in a position to judge somebody else's life or form of recovery? If you're not hurting yourself or anyone else and you have a life that is manageable and better than ever, Hello, hello, let's not judge other people's recovery. I, it went in one ear and out the other because I've been hearing it for the last two years the other day, but I just really hope we can change the narrative that there are multiple ways of healing and there, have to, there has to be. There's, I don't know, seven plus billion people on this earth. There's seven billion plus people on this earth. And to think that there's one form of healing or one medication or one form of anything that's going to fix these problems. Well, I think it's time for all of us to rethink that narrative. I know I have, and a lot of people have, but it's still scary to think that for me anyways, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I say things I shouldn't say all the time. And that's just the way she goes, but it's more scary for me that generally speaking, people are, more inclined to go to a doctor and just trust everything that they're saying and take the medications that are prescribed. I don't know if that works for you. That's great. I don't want you to change that. But in my experience, the doctors that I've seen, which have been dozens and dozens over the years, 
dozens and dozens of doctors and psychs and everyone and general practitioners and specialists and psychs and this and that. It all took me to the same place was here's a pill. Good luck. It's not going to fix everything, but it, you know, if you need your dosage up, like there's no, for me, there was no conversation. It was like putting a bandaid on this deep open wound and it would be, those medications for me would just mask and numb how I was feeling without actually getting to the root of why I was feeling like that in the first place, right? It's trauma. It goes back for me, it goes back to trauma. I experienced trauma in my life, we all do, in many different forms. And it's going to impact each and every one of us differently than it does the person next to you it, regardless even if we go through this exact same scenarios the impact that it will leave in our brains and our chem our brain chemistry and all of that will be different and so we need different forms of healing and that's what i've found and that's what works for me so number one i don't need people's judgment if you want to say that i'm not sober because of whatever i need to be perfectly clear I, you know i haven't been taking mushrooms at all uh, really in the last year, uh, other than microdosing. So uh, microdosing, you don't even feel any sort of mood altered. Your mood isn't altered at all. I got to fix my words there. Um, just a very light feeling. And, and it's sort of like this natural antidepressant. But there was more work for me to do there. There was more work for me to do there. And there still is. And I understand that it's going to be a constant uh, progression of of healing and and trying new things and maybe this works and maybe this doesn't and being open to that has saved my life i'm not bashing every single doctor i'm not bashing every single doctor because i've met incredible doctors who care so much who care so much but sometimes they just don't have the answers or the time to really see that patient through and so these pills are handed out and we're kind of forgotten about and we're left to deal with it on our own. And whether it be pills from a doctor or microdosing mushrooms or any other anything else, there needs to be more than just taking a pill or taking this form of medicine and thinking that everything is going to be better because that's so naive. That's how I thought it was going to be, right? I thought, oh, I could just take this. I could just do this and everything's going to be better. But what I came to understand is that I needed to tear down the layers and peel the air layers of the onion of my life, of my trauma, of my pain, of my suffering, and figure out why I was numbing myself with, with drugs and alcohol from as, for as long as I can remember. That's essentially the same thing as going to a doctor and getting a pill with that same idea of, oh, I'm just going to take this pill and everything's going to be better. That's not how I want to live my life. That's not how I'm living my life. I am getting to the root of why I went there in the first place. And the way that I do that may be different than you do that. I'm going to talk a lot about my experience with Cambo. Um, a lot of people are probably going, what the hell is Cambo? Uh, I'm going to tell you guys all about Cambo sometime in the near future and how it changed my life in Sananga. And I'm going to really dig in and share my experience. I haven't even had quite an opportunity 
to really reflect back. I got to do some writing first before I do this because I want to make sure that I do it right. All I can say is that I did more healing in three days, can kind of put it in two weeks, like the entire time I was in Vancouver, did more healing in two weeks than I have in two years. And no longer do I feel like I'm white knuckling it. I know that some days it's going to feel like that, but I have felt stuck for quite a while because I just haven't been able to, to break through and, and, and understand kind of everything that happened in my life, right? From childhood, through my addiction, what kind of consequences that has on myself, but more importantly, the people around me and, and the destruction that I left and understanding that it was in the past and that I'm here now. And though maybe I can't mend every relationship and I definitely can't take back the things that I've done, it made me, it helped me understand the position that I'm in. And it really made me understand how grateful I am to wake up every single morning and take a big deep breath in. And that's why I asked Ryan Strasnitsky what it's like for him when he wakes up in the morning, when he opens his eyes. Is there something that he does? Is there a thought that crosses his mind? Because when I when I wake up every morning, I open my eyes and I say, clean. You're alive. Your life is a dream. Go create. That's the narrative in my mind. And when I say go create, I really want people to take a second and, and understand what that means. Because what that means for me isn't going to have the same definition for you, just like the medications and the forms of healing and all of that. But what do you want to create in your life? Is it things for yourself? Is it things for other people, your family? Are there things that you want to accomplish or try in this life that you're holding back? Don't dream about it. Get out there and create it. Enjoy the process. I haven't always enjoyed every second of these last two years that I've been clean and doing this podcast. There's been hard times I've fallen on times where I've felt suicidal in these last two years. I haven't, though, had thoughts of going back to, to substances. And that was a big, big thing for me to understand that even though I'm clean and on the mend, that there's going to be things that come into my life, people, places, and things that come into my life and can really push me down a dark path. And what do I do to make, make sure that I don't have to stay there, that I don't have to sit in that, and that those feelings of not wanting to be here, feeling like life is too hard, how do, they, how do we work through that? How do I work through that? And that's something that I've become a lot better at, especially in these last three months. And going home, just solidified, you know, just how strong I am. I mentioned going down to Hastings and handing out sandwiches, but I didn't just go down there once. I went back down there multiple times looking for my friend who I talked about in the intro, former Western Hockey League player who is currently homeless and addicted on the downtown east side in Vancouver. When I saw him, I hugged him. We cried. I hugged him for two minutes. I didn't let go. 
I'm, I've been losing sleep over it, to be perfectly honest. My heart is, is going out for him, and I'm wondering if he's going to listen to this. He told me he listens to all my podcasts. He knew exactly what I was doing. He recognized me right away, which wouldn't have been the case if he hadn't seen what I was doing, because I don't look anything like I normally look like. I don't usually have long hair or a mustache. And the last time I saw him, I was homeless on the downtown east side and he was buying me food, trying to keep me going. So though my heart is broken for him, my heart also feels strong knowing that I have the strength to be in a position to help and make a difference. So many things happened uh, in the past two weeks and maybe you guys care to hear about them, maybe you don't. Uh, but episode 100 my dad is watching right now. He says, I guess I can fit in episode 100. So episode 100, you heard it here. Featuring Brian Liebold, maybe some other people too. Uh, we'll recap what it was like for my dad to, to see me. And, and you know, I, I know my dad was a little nervous about me going down to Hastings Street. And I don't blame him. I think I was the only one who wasn't nervous. Maybe I should have been. But I was down there for another purpose. Thank you to Janet Hollick and Hannah Lands, the wife of Rick Lands, who really made it all possible and came down there to contribute. Janet is the wife of Mark Hollick. He's been on the show before, assistant coach of the Kamloops Blazers. Some of my pictures didn't upload, so we'll have to get to those after on, an, on the next episode. Um, but also a special shout out to Natalia, Anya, and Steph. Pim, who opened up their place to allow us uh, the space to make the sandwiches and kind of have this home base. And prior to going out, I was able to, to take part in some of those healing ceremonies um, that Steph led not only myself, but my cousin Spencer through. Um, and I really feel like it lifted me up and put me in the right place to be able to go down and, and hand out these sandwiches. Share one quick story before I go. We hit the street and the very first people I saw, well, it was a tent. And, and people have to understand that I lived in a tent on Hastings for a number of months. Sometimes I didn't even have a tent, but a lot of the time I did. And I walked up to this tent and the door was open and there was a couple in there, a man and a woman. And I just bent down and I offered them, said, hey, do you guys hungry? Hungry this afternoon? Can I get you a sandwich? And the people are a little standoffish um, down there. You're not allowed to film. You're not People are very closed off, especially if you're not somebody who is down there and has, hasn't experienced that. They were, they were a little standoffish. And in that moment, I saw a big, and, and sorry for the graphic here, but I saw a big bag of crystal meth and a bag of fentanyl sitting there in the tent because that's how it is down there. It's just open drug dealing, open drug use, people doing drugs on the street. There's way too many people that the cops just can't stop it. And so when I peeked my head in the tent, the first thing I saw was, was those two substances and I knew right then, like I acknowledged it, but that's where it ended for me. There would have been a time when that could have planted a seed and been like, ooh, no, maybe. I, I acknowledged it and was like, yes, that's what it is. But in that second, broke away from it and focused on them and the purpose and why I was down there. They were a little standoffish and I pulled up my sleeves and I showed them my arms. A lot of people know that I have scars on my arms. Um, from my, from my life uh, as an addict. 
And when I was able to, to, to show them and tell them that I've been in your exact position, their eyes lit up. And that continued to be a theme for the rest of the time that I was down there and the other times that I was down there, whenever I stopped and talked to people, I was able to show them my arms and show them that I was in your position and I'm no longer in that position and that there is a better life and that there is hope. And for the vast majority of people down there, it's tragic to say, but most of them won't get out. But I believe that some of them can and some of them will. Anyways, guys, that's it. We'll see you next Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, same time, same channel. Thank you so much. If you're, if you're watching, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching on Facebook, go over to YouTube. Please, trying to grow the YouTube channel, trying to get away from Facebook. If you're not following me on social media, please do so. Follow Puck Support. Check out the new hats, purple and green. So, ooh, that's wet from my hair. Got just got out of the shower. Uh, but purple and green, if you don't know, Puck Support. The purple is for overdose awareness and the green is for mental health. These are a special edition special edition hat that will only be around for for a little while also all of our stuff if you didn't know has a name of a hockey player who's either taken their own life or passed away from overdose in my hat tonight is steve montador rest in peace monty currently there are 74 hockey players in our database who have either taken their own life or died of overdose and that easily could have been me and i count my blessings every single day dean smeal says add both to my order we can work that out dino i love you man you're top bunk you're top bunk lindsey schmidt down there watching in dunville with the minor family i love you guys i'll see you soon tell you tell captain tom tell captain tom i'm coming down to do some fishing i've been saying it for too long but i'm coming tom michelle's got the restaurant open fish and chips let's go i can't wait to see you guys i love you Susan's watching upstairs. Let's do it live, Brian Liebold. One person at a time. You bet. Alfred, how are you? Matt Thiessen, how are you? Special shout out to Bob and Louise from Stuart Smith. Bob and Louise make the best cookies. Bob, I love you, but I haven't seen you make a single cookie my entire life, and I've been there since I was one. Just before my first birthday, Louise makes the best cookies. But Bob does a lot of other cool stuff, and I love him so much too. But yes, Louise had a fresh batch of cookies for me when I showed up. Right on the rack, just like old times. They used to have an open-door policy where I would just knock and open the door without them even saying, sneak in and grab a cookie, say hi. And Louise actually shared this story with you guys. I was sitting at her kitchen table the other day talking with them, and I said, you know, Louise right here in this seat maybe it was a different chair but right where i'm sitting right now is where i signed my very first autograph i think i was like seven or eight years old and louise showed me she's like you know if you're gonna be a hockey player you're gonna have to to learn how to do an autograph and i was like an autograph how am i gonna do an autograph that i have no idea how to do an autograph and i remember she's like you just put your name and a bunch of lines. And that's what my first autograph looked like. I can still remember. If you're watching live, I'll show you what it looks like now. It, it, it hasn't changed much. But it went from that 
to that. So special memories. I love you guys so much. And yes, the best chocolate chip cookies in the entire world. I'm sure my dad and I will talk about that on episode 100. Anyways, guys, that's it. We'll see you back Monday night. Next Monday, we're switching to Monday nights moving forward. No longer Tuesday nights. Monday nights, every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern is the new time for Hockey to Hell and Back. If you're listening to the audio, thank you so much. If you like the show, share it to your with your friends. If you're watching on Facebook, like I said, go to YouTube. But if you're on Facebook, just press that share button. Share it to your wall. Open it up to your followers or your friends if you do like the show. If you don't, that's okay too. We do everything here by word of mouth and ear. We don't pay for ads, not yet anyways. Pretty much a one-man show over here and uh, rely heavily on all of you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll see you guys all on Monday. Thank you to Ryan Strasnitsky. Make sure you follow him on social media. And we'll have all the links uh, in the bio below, If you're, especially if you're watching on or listening on audio. Um, and we'll have all the links to my podcast, my Patreon. If you want to support this podcast from a financial standpoint, you can do so. Patreon.com slash Brady Liebold. Uh, the link will be in the bio as well. We're working on the Patreon page uh, for those um, who have been subscribing. We're going to beef it up a little bit and make it a little bit more worth your while. If you don't know what Patreon is, just go check it out. Patreon.com slash Brady Liebold. Any money that I get uh, through my Patreon helps pay for uh, the cost of this show, which there are. But I'm happily, I happily pay them every month because this podcast gave me my life back and I owe all of you so so much anyways guys that's it until next time i'm not gonna say have a great day if you so choose what i'm gonna say is make a great day if you so choose i'm grateful oh yeah able oh yeah i'm stable oh yeah no label oh yeah you know me i have only a path i'm lonely I want the real stuff, everybody listen up Cause I'll only say it once, I'ma show you all the path If you want it bad, I'ma show you every side Yeah, how you can get it back, yeah, cause I ain't never done I'll be number one, working hella hard until I get just what I want Yeah, rises like the sun, yeah, fatal like a gun Shooter's gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot him till I fall I'm always do it alone, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's, I just wanna keep moving Yeah, I put out all the start, it's my only medicine Yeah, everything I do, I'm just being genuine Yeah, I'm sick of being screwed, feel my own adrenaline Yeah, I do just what I do, and I hope you let me in, let me in, yeah Oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no playboy.